Men, thanks for listening to our 920 Man Challenge podcast. These are Bible teachings that are meant to be discussed alongside other men in community at our Blankenbaker Man Challenge gathering, where we prioritize developing a competent and confident understanding of who Jesus is and authentic and intentional male relationships. We hope this teaching of God's Word grows your relationship with the Lord, and we urge you to unpack it in your relationship with others. Enjoy! certain buttons apparently turns on the fog in turbo fashion so so you know if you want to get up and do do some break dancing whatever whatever you feel like doing do it man it's man challenge what happens here stays here uh so put your social media down for a minute hey guys we are diving in to um spiritual disciplines it's something that uh possibly a lot of you are like man i don't i don't even know how to spell that much less what what is that you know Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he deals with some things uh, that are under this category, spiritual disciplines. And I, I got, I was just thinking about that this week of how I, I'm 40, 47, getting ready to turn 48 next month. And man, there have been certain spiritual disciplines in my life that have pretty much been non-existent most of my life. And I don't say that for a, you know, woe is me as much as just um, in the Sermon on the Mount, um, Matthew 5 to 7, there's many times when Jesus says, when you, and, and focuses on a spiritual discipline. He doesn't say, hey, if you choose to engage this one or embrace this one, and I, I'm a little embarrassed at some level uh, to tell you I'm 47 years old, and man, until 12, year, until 12 days ago, uh, there's been one specific area in my life where spiritual discipline has been a viewed it as optional, and that is spiritual discipline of saying no to my body uh, as far as intake and not just amount of intake, but even what I'm intaking. And so uh, this is also a good example of the power of surrounding yourself with people who are going to encourage you and challenge you forward. So 12 days ago, um, we were driving back from Disney World. Actually, 13 days ago, we were driving back from Disney World, and you know, it's it's hard to eat healthy in Disney World, but full disclosure, I wouldn't have ordered healthy stuff if they offered it, just so I'm being honest here. And I mean, for a whole week, I mean, I just, I ate, excuse the, the analogy, I, I felt like I ate like a fat kid trying to get hitched out of fat camp for a whole week. I mean, I was just, we're driving back from Orlando, I felt just bloated, I just felt bleh. And I remember I turned to my wife in the car on the short 18-hour drive home, and I said, I said, honey, I said, I'm not going on a diet, but I said, I'm detoxing. I was like, man, I just, I feel horrible. And so I reached out to my buddy Eric, who I've heard him for a couple years talking about this, this 40-ounce water cocktail that he starts every morning with. And I've heard him, but I'm like, yeah, that's your thing. And so I was like, hey, tell me more about this. And... And he started telling me about these different ingredients he put in it, uh, all the way from, you know, 
uh, apple cider vinegar to uh, lemon juice to turmeric uh, to cayenne pepper to uh, Ceylon cinnamon, pink Himalayan salt, uh, and I think that's it. And so I was like, all right, well, game on. So that Easter, Easter morning, Sunday morning, I was like, I'm in. And so I got what we had, and it took till Tuesday morning to get all the right ingredients. And so Tuesday morning, I had an early um, premarital counseling appointment, 730 here at the office. And, and so I just grabbed this stuff. I had laid it out the night before and prepared it. I grabbed it. I hop in the car. Well, what I thought my friend had said, what I thought Eric had said was uh, two tablespoons of apple cider vinegar and a, tea, a tablespoon of all those other ingredients that I just mentioned. Well, I'm in the car at 7.15 in the morning, and there's chugging it down, and there's choking it down. I mean, I am choking this down. Full full disclosure, true story, and I I pull into the parking lot over by the offices, and I, I had a moment where I was like, am I going to get sick? I mean, my mouth's on fire. Um, I've got a weak stomach, and I'm already anticipating, man, this is not going to go well. And so I text my buddy Eric. I said, dude, man, this is my first day, full throttle, all this stuff. And, uh, man, that tablespoon of cayenne pepper, man, that was tough. And he sends back that that laughy face is like, dude, it's a teaspoon, not a tablespoon. Uh, any non-chefs in the room, that's a big difference, if you're wondering. Uh, I basically told our men's staff, hey, I'll be in the bathroom the rest of the morning if you need me for anything, and that proved true uh, by 11 o'clock in the morning. I think I had been in there 10 times, but anyway. The joke aside of that, I've been doing this for 12 years, and you know, sometimes you do something and even though you don't feel any different, you know it's good for you, right? Eating your greens and stuff like that. But I've been leaning in on this, and uh, and I reached out to a few friends for accountability because I knew, like, this this does not taste the same as a chocolate milkshake. Um, and so I knew, like, man, I need to I need to tell somebody else. Um, and so I've been doing that. I've been disciplined the time frames of when I eat, not so much what I eat, but when I eat. And guys, I can tell you. Um, Man, I'm feeling a difference, you know, 12 days in. And so uh, the point of that is not you should do that water cocktail in the morning and intermittent fast. But the point is what we're going to hear about this morning from my friend Kirk Dowdy is in principle has a lot of similarities. Because um, Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows our hearts and what our hearts are capable of, the positive stuff and the negative stuff. And he's like, hey. In this pursuit of going all in with with making Jesus Lord of your life, he said, "I want to. I want to. These aren't rules, you know. As a as a kid growing up, I thought, man, the Bible's full of rules, mainly the don'ts. As a as a boy growing up, but now as a forty seven year old man, I realize, man, he's given us things to help us. And um, so this morning, I'm asking you to lean in uh, with an open mind and an open heart." Uh, not just for knowledge purposes, but for transformational purposes, because spiritual disciplines are something that, at least in my faith uh, background, I have accidentally um, viewed things when Jesus says, when you, um, as if you choose to. And so this morning, I want us to read through a lens of not with from a legalistic, you know, hey, if you don't do this, you are, no, it's just, 
lean in and go, man, what would it be like if I said, Jesus, you have, you have access to all areas of my life, and I'm going to lean in on this, uh, even though I, I kind of feel like Talladega Nights, I don't know, it's my hands, um, but guys, this is exciting, so don't, don't go, oh man, this would have been a good day to sleep in, because now I've walked out of here with guilt, none of you should walk out of here with guilt or shame, that's not what Man Challenge is about, we're, we're about linking arms with each other in ways that allow us to bring Jesus maximum glory, that's, that's what it's about. And so in your um, guides this morning, uh, table leaders, there's a man challenge. And really want to encourage you guys to spend some time in your small group time this morning to come up with, with a, a spiritual discipline challenge that you're going to do this week. Uh, not to earn more of God's favor, but in the spirit of, hey, let's, let's pursue Jesus together and allow him to sharpen our minds and our hearts um, in the process. Also, um, speaking of spiritual disciplines, we also have a physical um, fitness uh, challenge, man challenge. We've started back man challenge fitness classes on Mondays and Wednesdays at 6 a.m. You can go to southeastsportsandfitness.org to jump in with those guys. Or if uh, you come across a guy named Andy Hartman, he'd be glad to. He's the poster child. Um, three years ago, this dude weighed 500 pounds, and now he's chiseled uh, just by showing up on Mondays and Wednesdays. Where are you? Andy, yeah, yeah, he's a walking billboard. So uh, seriously, guys, this is a great way. There's fitness levels all across the board, but it's a great way to meet some guys in the process. At this time, I'm going to ask my friend Kurt Souter to make his way out here. Uh, if you don't know Kurt, Kurt was actually the first men's minister hired at this church. Okay. So us sitting in this room, um, in a lot of ways, is all because of uh, – it's all because of Jesus, but it's also some of the fruit of Kurt, what he was plowing forward years ago. So uh, he started off here as the men's minister at this campus. Then he went off, uh, or he moved <laughs> into being, <laughs> then he quit. No, he, he moved to Oldham County campus as the campus pastor. He actually helped launch that campus, which is now turned into Crestwood and multiple spheres of that. Um, he started Further Still Ministries, which is a nonprofit. Um, primarily, uh, I was looking at the website yesterday because I wanted to make sure I got it right. The simple way to say it is Further Still Ministries, the point, the purpose of Further Still is essentially to equip people to be effective disciples. Is that yeah. statistically accurate? Okay. so um, And to not to be a mile wide and an inch deep. Yes. Kurt uh, has a radio program. Called uh, for men called Solid Steps Radio, and that's on what number? Ninety-two point three FM, and uh, Bob Russell's on every morning at seven thirty. You guys need to tune in. Ninety-two point three FM. He's also on in the afternoon. He's, I mean, like, uh, well, he's he's an old guy, um, up and comer, up and comer. Yeah, but kind of. All right. Hey, wanna wanna skip because I don't want to carve in your time here. Uh, favorite food. Or restaurant, indoor. Oh, I was. Can can I go off the charts? Uh, sure. No, no. Uh, Stony River. Stony River. Yeah. Um, favorite movie. Gladiator. Um, any hobby. I love to hunt. I love to golf. Get naked with my wife. <laughs> um. <laughs> 
for guys. I mean, come on. Thanks for clarifying with your wife. It's about to get awkward. Have you ever neutered a cat? I have. Oh, man. Well, I'm walking with Sam Reader and him the other day. Walk, and uh, he starts. Next thing I know, I'm like, what are we talking about here? He was talking about neutering cats and dogs, and Sam and I are walking down, walking my dogs like this. It was. Some of you, uh, yeah, I've, I've neutered a lot of things over the years. Congrats. On the farm, man, you, do, you neuter everything. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> All right, man, it's, it's going down real quick. If you knew that every man in this room would accept whatever man challenge you would throw out, mm. and no, nothing's all out of bounds, what would it be? Yeah, you know, ultimately, uh, uh, just saying yes to Jesus, whatever it might be, because, it's gonna, because Jesus asks us of different things for all of us, but um, yeah, yeah, just whatever he would ask you to do, just say yes to that because it will be, it will be good. It will, it will probably be hard, but I guarantee you it'll be good. Thanks for clarifying with my butterflies. I always land bugs and butterflies. Well, I got to tell you guys, it's a treat to have my friend Kurt here. Kurt, last year our family was going through a, a really dark season. And I can tell you, I can point to a few people, and this is one of the guys that I just, I'm so grateful for. Um, he helped me personally. He helped equip our family. And, um, man, it's just, it's a blessing for us to hear you tee up that word this morning. So I want to pray, and we'll, we'll roll out. But Amen. God, uh, I praise you for, for every man in this, in this room. I thank you for um, whatever it took to get each of us in here. Uh, and whatever we brought in here, Father, would you, would you free us from any distraction that would get in your way from penetrating our hearts through you, Holy Spirit, with your truth that is always applicable and always relevant and timely. And so, Father, use my friend Kurt to tee up your truth in a way that leads us towards um, transformation that can only come about as a result of pursuing you together. In Jesus' name, amen. Kurt Souter, everybody. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Ronnie. It's, guys, it's really good to be back with you, and I really mean that. It's an honor to be here. It really is. And uh, excited to be back at Man Challenge. Hey, um, as we get started, uh, GOAT, the GOAT, uh, who's, who's the greatest of all time in basketball? Michael Jordan. Anybody else? Uh, football. Peyton Manning? Nobody's going to say Brady? Did I hear Brady? Um, greatest of all time, musician. This guy gets, dude, it's 6 o'clock in the morning. What are you, Michael Jackson. How about the Beatles? Um, how about Bach, Beethoven, Mozart? How, uh, greatest artist. Greatest of all time, artist. Think Picasso. <laughs> what did they say? What did you guys say? <laughs> okay, this is going south. Okay. Um, 
business icon, greatest of all time, business icon. Warren Buffett, okay, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, nobody said Henry Ford, Henry Ford, what about the most brilliant mind, brilliant mind of all time, who, Einstein, Da Vinci, yep, um, some say even Michelangelo had an incredible high IQ. Charles Dickens had a huge IQ. But you know who I think the smartest, most, and not just intelligent IQ? I think it was Jesus. Because Jesus knew how to live. Jesus knew how to live the life. And we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is all about how do we live the, the good life. John Ortberg calls it the life you've always wanted. How do you live the life you've always wanted? And uh, so, so we get into chapter 6 of Matthew. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is the greatest sermon ever. And it's Jesus preaching, and it's, he's laying out his heart, and he's laying out a kingdom agenda. And if you want the, the life you've always wanted, you, you want the life that uh, is full of meaning and purpose, the life that is, is kingdom of God-oriented, not self-oriented, but kingdom oriented um, that's the life this is and so we're going to look at uh, following Jesus and what it means I, I love I've modified a Lou Holtz quote uh, this is kind of my edits but it says if you want to be happy for an hour eat a great steak or a great meal if you want to be happy for a day go out and play golf or do something fun hobby wise if you want to be happy for a week go on a cruise or go on vacation if you want to be happy for a month Get a new car. If you want to be happy for a year, win the lottery. Not really. If you want to be happy for a lifetime, make sure you add value to everyone you come in contact with and follow, obey, and walk with Jesus. The Sermon on the Mount is all about how do we walk with Jesus? How do we allow the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, to transform us? And, and to do that, it takes practice. I mean, I love the story of, of, of Peyton Manning. He's, he's, he's at practice, and then he just taps his center and says, dude, go get a bucket of water. And he comes back, and he takes that football, douses it in the, in the water, and he takes, he's, he's in the shotgun, he's behind center, he's handing off, and he's throwing with a wet football. Why? It's not raining out. Why we're at practice? Because of, because one day it's gonna be. It's one day it's gonna be raining. One day it's gonna be crazy weather. One day, and and we gotta practice. And so Jesus in Matthew chapter six is beginning to um, talk about the spiritual practices. And, and Ronnie teed it up. You know, it's not if, it's, but it's when. And so this morning we're gonna talk about four spiritual practices. Sam Reader last week talked about the first one is of giving those in need and doing it privately, doing it secretly. Don't, don't let everybody know about it. Being a, being a helping hand to someone who's in need, and that's a part of a spiritual practice. There's something about when we do the spiritual disciplines or the spiritual practices, it helps us walk with God. The, uh, James says, draw near to God, and what? And he will draw near to you. And so this is all about helping us draw near. 
doing the spiritual practices, they, they, they don't make us more holy. They don't make us more righteous. If you go fast for, you know, three days or ten days, that doesn't make you any more holy or more righteous than anybody else. Our righteousness comes from Jesus. But the practices help us just to lean in. When Kyle did that series a couple years ago, you know, lean in. Leaning into Jesus. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. So if you want to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, we're going to look at specifically, uh, I'm going to review just a little bit, a couple verses from last week, and then uh, go through. So verse 5, and I'm just going to read this out loud. And guys, would you do this with me? This is, a, this is an old practice that um, I think is cool. When we read God's Word, they, a lot of times in the Old Testament they would stand because it was in honor and reverence to the Almighty God. So as I read this, would you guys stand with me, please? <clears throat> Matthew chapter 6, if you've got it on your phone or hard copy, whatever, Matthew 6, verse 5. And when you pray, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who, is, who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Verse 7, when you pray. Do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Hey, guys, uh, you probably all have a similar translation. Let's all, this is the Lord's Prayer. Let's all say this out loud together, okay? Here we go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one or from evil. And then Jesus continues, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Verse 16, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Okay, you guys have a seat. Thank you, guys. So I, I, I hope you noticed, uh, there's, there's, I just want to pull out four spiritual practices really quick right out of the text. The first one is, is in verse 6. It says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door. That's the whole spiritual practice of solitude, getting alone. Uh, some, some theologians just throw two of them in together, silent, solitude and silence. Get alone in your room. Get, get alone. Now, why, why would Jesus want us to get alone? I'm sorry, what is that? Focus is on him. When we, you know, when we pray publicly, I don't know about you, but I've struggled this with years. When we pray publicly, most of the time, 
We're praying. But we're trying to impress maybe others. We don't want, we want to make sure we say the right words in the right way. And, and Jesus, he's just not, he's not interested in correct grammar. <laughs> Jesus is interested in heart. Jesus is interest, interested in what's going on in the inner world, in the inner man. And so when we get away, we can't impress others. When we are totally alone, and the discipline, the spiritual practice of silence and solitude, of, of closing the door and shutting, getting in our room, our closet, by ourselves is just powerful. Um, you, we get alone. It's, the, it's this privacy thing. Sometimes it can be uncomfortable. Sometimes it's, it can be easy. But our souls get cluttered. Did you ever notice your soul getting cluttered up? Going alone in, in the closet, in the room alone with Jesus, somehow begins to get uncluttered. It can be uncomfortable, and it can be sometimes difficult. But we can't impress others when we're alone. It's just you and God. Dallas Willard writes that silence and solitude alone in our room are essential for a believer because it gives the context to listening to God's voice and to speak to him. One preacher calls it like this, the loud, boisterous noises of the world make us deaf to the soft, gentle, and loving voice of God. And so when we enter into quiet, enter into this room by ourselves, God can do some really cool things transformationally in our hearts. I love my uh, good friend Dan Webster says, I believe most people need a good reason for doing something that doesn't come naturally. He says, quiet doesn't come naturally for most of us. So he says, I want to give you a good reason to intentionally walk towards this room, this quiet room. Shut the door. Quiet. Slow your life down. Why is, why is this so crucial in the life of a Christian? He goes, it's simple to understand, really. Simple to answer. There's transformations that need to take place in the heart of a Christian that God can only get done in the quiet room alone. He says that's, it's central when we get alone like that to remembering why I do what I do. And as Christians, when we are quiet, when we're in the room alone, Ralph Waldo Emerson says, when we, when we have that, that allows us to hear the whispers of God. So if you look at Jesus, uh, Sam alluded to this last week. I, let me just rattle off just a few verses of Jesus modeling this. Listen to this. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a solitary place where he prayed. Luke 4, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. Luke 5, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. That's right after he healed a leper. Now, if I just healed a leper, what would the tendency for me to do? Oh, hey, folks, we just healed a leper. Man, this guy was totally, you know, in, in diseased and totally uh, in, in a mess health-wise. And I, we'd be standing on the mountaintop. I would be standing on the top just screaming out what, what God has done. What does Jesus do? Gets alone. Matthew 14, 
after he dismissed the crowds, 5,000 plus men he had just fed. What does he do? He goes by a, up to a mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there completely alone. After 5,000 people, if I, if I performed a miracle of 5,000 people, that's plus women and children. There are thousands and thousands of people. I'd be shouting from the rooftop. Look what God did. Look what happened. Isn't this awesome? It's exciting. What Jesus do, does, totally gets alone. When he received the news of John the Baptist's death, his cousin says he withdrew from there, got in a boat to a lonely place to be apart. He is constantly modeling this, this, this pattern of silence and solitude. He says um, in Matthew 14, he's with his three disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration. And that's when Moses and Elijah shows up. Matthew 26, he's preparing for his highest and most holy work. And what does he do? He's ready to go to the cross. He goes to the garden to be alone. In quietness and trust is our strength. That's what Isaiah says. So guys, I just want to encourage you. I don't know how it looks for you, but God is, is I, I think, calling all of us to lean into quiet to get in a, a room alone. It doesn't have to be a room. Uh, 22 years ago, I, I was trying to discern, do I come to Southeast Christian Church or do I go to Peoria, Illinois? Now, Peoria is my hometown. I grew up in Peoria, and, uh, or, and, and that's where I thought my buddy was recruiting me to come there. And I got the phone call on a Monday night from Murphy Belding. He said, Kurt, the job is yours. You want to be, be the men's pastor, it's yours. And I, I actually thought I was going to Peoria. So I called my buddy up. I called him Slim. We've been preacher buddies for 30 years. I go, Slim, you won't believe it. Southeast called me and they, they just offered me the job. I think they've lost their mind. Um, why would they want a, a farm boy with a, this church was a seven times bigger than the town I grew up in? Why do they want some farm boy to come down here? And so I, I, I go, Slim, I don't, I don't know what to do. This is what he said. Never forget, never forget it. He said, Souter. That's how he talked. Souter, he need to go do a desert day. I go, Slim, what? What are you talking about? He goes, dude, you need to go do a desert day. That's what Jesus did. He got, he got alone all the time. Goes up to the mountain. In fact, dude, he goes to the desert to launch his ministry. How many days was he in the desert, dude? Forty. Forty consecutive days he's alone with his heavenly father. And he's doing the spiritual practices. He's Bible memory, Bible study. Bible. I mean, he is saturating. He's praying. He's fasting. He's doing all these things. He goes, dude, just do it one day. Jesus did it for 40. I go, all day? Like, you're talking about like eight hours? Slim, like from like eight until like four or five in the afternoon? He goes, yeah. I go, dude, what am I going to do for eight hours? He goes, just, dude, just go do it. And guys, I want to tell you, here's what happened. I carry this uh, lake water with me. Some of you have seen me do this before. Um, our life, it's pretty clear, isn't it? But typically, our lives aren't this clear. They're like this. 
We get shaken up. Life gets crazy. COVID happens. Racial tensions, political. You lose your job. Your family gets, goes through term, turmoil, trials, difficulty. And guess what? It's time to go. Life gets really cloudy really quick. How do you get rid of the cloudiness? Just let it sit there. By the time we're done here, when you leave, it'll be a lot of settling. You let it sit there for eight hours. You know what happened, guys? That day, 22 years ago, clarity happened. I went home to my wife. I said, honey, I think God is saying it's Louisville, Kentucky. I'm just like forever grateful. That started a uh, that started a something that happened. Oh, I can't, we came down here and I said, "Honey, I I want to start I want to start doing a desert day every month." And guys, I'm going to invite you to come to a desert day with me. So, my, how many of you have been at, on a desert day with me? A few of you. Um. Ronnie's going to send out some information about uh, our desert days, and uh, just come. If you can only come for two or three hours, come for two or three hours. If you can come for eight, come for eight. No big deal. Uh, it's on my website, and, and, and you can read and think more about it, but I'm going to tell you, some of us in this room really need some clarity, and you get clarity when you get alone. Then you get clarity, not only when you get alone, but when you begin to pray. Let's look at the next piece. Jesus says, give us today our daily bread. There's, there's two halves to this prayer. The first half is very vertical. He says, our Father, uh, let, let me back up. Yeah. It says, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. They think they'll be heard. And then he goes on. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. Here's the first piece. This is vertical piece. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's three pieces here to this first, the top part of the prayer. Hallowed be your name. What does hallowed mean, guys? Anybody know? It's literally, literally the word sanctify. It means holy. Like, Lord, we want to honor you. We want to exalt you. Hallowed be your name. Your name is awesome, God, and we want to hallow it. We want to sanctify it. And then the next thing is, he says, um, your kingdom come. And then number three, your will be done. What's going on up in heaven, bring it down here on earth. All the glories of heaven, Lord, make, make, make that happen more and more here on this earth. And God, use me to do that. And then, and then he goes on, the second part, give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. So he's talking about food. He's talking about forgiveness. And then the third one is, lead us not into temptation. He's talking about our holiness. Deliver us from the evil one. I, lo I love what John Piper says. We got to make God's, these, these are top priorities for God. And so when we, when we pray, we want to hollow his name. We want to ask his kingdom to come, to expand through all the earth. And then his will to be done. And then after that happens, then we can pray. Lord, okay, now it's time. And notice it's plural. It's not, it's not 
Lord, help me to have a, a daily bread. It's give us today our daily bread. Our, forgive us of our sins. And so the second, the second spiritual practice is the practice of prayer and to, as best we can follow this pattern of Jesus here, this model. And then he goes on, the third practice, and he says, if you forgive men, they, they sin against you. This is all about the practice of forgiveness. I want to tell you guys, there is somebody in your life that you need to forgive. 90% of you guys in here need to forgive somebody. And I'm, I'm including myself in that. I'm working through some forgiveness right now. I shared with our couples group last night. There's people that I need to forgive. And guys, um, the practice of forgiveness is a big deal. And when we forgive, we are being like Jesus. Let me just give you a couple things about what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is a choice. It's a decision of the will. Forgiveness is agreeing to live with the consequences of another person's sin. Forgiveness is from the heart. It's choosing not to hold someone's sin against him or her anymore. And you know how you know when you forgive? You've forgiven another person? When you are able to reach out in love and compassion to that person. So your ex-wife, your kids that you're ticked off with, or a boss that's fired you, mistreated you, or mistreated you, cheated you, some, somebody who maligned you, when you can reach out and love them, when you can reach out and give grace to them, that's a good sign that you've forgiven. I also want to invite you not only to a desert day, guys. Ronnie's going to send this out as well. It's called a freedom appointment. Dr. Neil Anderson says that 90% or 70-plus percent of all Christians do not walk in freedom because we carry bitterness and a lot of things in our hearts that God wants us to release. And a freedom appointment is coming up on May 14th. It's like a spring cleaning for the soul. And I just want to invite you to be a part of that. I have been, been, been leading people for 25 years through a freedom appointment. I've had hundreds and hundreds of folks go through it. Not one person has ever said, that's a total waste of time. I'll tell you, it's not easy. It's not easy. But I guarantee you it will be good. I promise you it will be good. And uh, you can go, uh, when Ronnie sends that information out, you can take a look at it. And I just, uh, it's coming up on Friday, May 14th. Bring a friend. You'll be partnered with a buddy. You'll not be, you don't bring your wife. Your wife can come and she can have a partner. We're going to spread out a, in a big room and women will be on one side and guys will be on another and you'll partner up with your guy and we will walk through seven areas of a person's life. And one of them, step number three, is all about forgiveness. And uh, guys, forgiveness is powerful. I don't know who God wants you to forgive. But as you meet in your groups today, I, I want you to talk about it. Fourth practice. Number one, so number one is silence and solitude. Number two is prayer. Number three is forgiveness. Number four, the practice of fasting. This is, this is the practice of omission, taking something out of our lives that we'd like to have. Most of us consider it to be food, and, and it can be food. Food is a great thing to fast from. Um, it's basically saying, God, I want you more than I want food. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut out food for a meal, uh, uh, for one meal. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not have this meal. Or I'm going to do the whole day. 
if you have never fasted, maybe just do one meal or, or two meals and just use that time to focus on prayer. The benefits will be powerful. You combine prayer, fasting, silence and solitude, and then you throw in forgiveness. Guys, you want to talk cl clarity? You want to talk about looking for your, at the future and how God is leading you? Man, it's, it's transformational. And so, guys, as we uh, wrap up here, let me just share a, a quote by C.S. Lewis. Give up yourself, and you will find your real self. Lose your life, and you'll save it. Submit to death, death of your ambitions and favorite wishes every day, and death of your whole body. Submit with every fiber of your being, and you will find eternal life. Keep back nothing. Nothing that you have not given away will really be yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Jesus Christ and you will find him. And with him, everything else gets thrown in. Guys, when we... When we lean into the practices of Jesus, and uh, I'm, I'm going to challenge you in just one simple way how to do that, is to get on your knees. When you get alone and you pray, I have watched for decades a man that I deeply, deeply admire who has done it. He's never preached a message in his life. He's never even really taught much, uh, like publicly. But my dad would get by his bedside every night. And once in a while, I'd just get a glimpse of watching my dad. I saw him not too long ago. He's 80, almost 82. And when he was here to visit, and he was with mom, but he was on his knees praying. And I'm like going, what if every one of us died? What if every one of us died? Every night, would get on our knees, alone with our Heavenly Father. We pray for our kids. We pray for our grandkids. We pray for our wives, our marriages. We pray for our neighbors. Guys, I'm going to tell you, it will change our lives. Let's pray. Jesus, we believe that you're the greatest ever. And we want to follow your example. We want to follow the greatest model ever. So, Lord, help us to engage in these practices, not to get us more righteous, but to, to draw near to you. I pray blessing on these guys as they go and spend time iron sharpening iron one another. Jesus, thank you that you are life. We need you. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Great to be with you guys. Thanks for listening to this week's Bible teaching from Man Challenge at the Blankenbaker campus of Southeast Christian Church. For more information on how to get involved, reach out to us via the email address in our podcast description or find us on social media.